so glad that you are here today. It's going to be a great day. We're going to continue this series, Falling into Grace. Right before we get started, why don't you turn to someone next to you. Tell them, you sound pretty good today. You sound all right. All right, you sounded pretty good. Yeah, man. We're glad that you're here. Welcoming everybody. Y'all remain standing just for a minute. Um, I'm super excited. I want to share something with you real quick. Next week, next week we're going to have our Jesus birthday offering. We've done that every year. Jesus birthday offering. It's the end of the year offering. And we, what we do is we take that and we always put it towards something impactful. This year, here's what we're going to put it towards. Number one, one of our ministry friends actually is over at Camp Baldwin in Alabama, and his wife passed away November 14th this year. He has a 10-year-old son, and so y'all just pray for them. They're just going through that. She went to bed, didn't wake up the next morning. They're grieving and working through that, and Billy's been so, just so faithful. We're going to send him and his son to Walt Disney World. All expenses paid. All expenses paid. Man, we're going to do it up big. We're going to let them have some father-son time. And uh, we just believe that grace should make us gracious. That's what grace does. Makes us gracious. So that's what we're going to do. And every year we challenge our people to bring your best gift. To bring your best gift to Jesus. Here's why. Wise men still seek him. And they still bring him gifts. And what we do with this is we pray. We say, God, where do you want this to go? Where do you want it to go? Well, this year, it's not only going to go to that father and son, but it's also going to go to help build a church in Haiti. In Haiti. We were in Haiti this last year. And, uh, boy, they need it. They need it so bad. And I know some of y'all are like, wait, wait, wait a second. That's hard for me to comprehend because we don't have a church building. And you're going you're gonna to buy and build them a building? Yes. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Because we believe if God can get it through us, God will get it to us. And uh, we just believe, man, we love on other people. God's got us. God's taking care of us. And uh, we are blessed, man. In fact, can we celebrate together? Um, the last two years, we've been giving four land in a building. And we never touched a penny of that. We've invested that money. We have over a million dollars. This last week, we went over a million dollars set aside in the bank just for land and building. And God has called us to be debt-free. And so, you know what? It's our responsibility to obey and leave the consequences to Him. Noah, build an ark. Yes, God, what's an ark? Oh, it's a big boat. God, what's a boat? Oh, it's something you need with water, and and I'm going to send rain. God, what's rain? I've never seen it before. See, we just obey. God, God floats the boat. We should march around the the walls. We should do it, and we don't quit on six, because on seven, what God said will come to pass. And so that's where we're at. And uh, so that leads us to the third thing. So we have father and son. We're going to bless them. Um, We got to do this, by the way, years ago. Many of y'all weren't here. A pastor in town who I prayed for even this morning. His wife had cancer. We sent their whole family, sent them to Walt Disney World. We were like a year old. We didn't have the money to do it. We did it by faith. We sent the whole family to Walt Disney World. 
and God in the meantime has healed her of her cancer and they are thriving as a family their ministry is thriving so we're gonna we're gonna give again we're gonna build a church in Haiti and then third thing this is for campus expansion um, we're gonna buy land we're gonna buy land we're gonna build a building like I said debt free we're gonna launch another campus the next campus is gonna be launched somewhere in Pensacola so we're excited about this. How many of y'all live in Pensacola? Raise your hand. Let me see the hands. Turn around and look. This is crazy. Turn around and look. A lot of people. So yeah, so we're just saying, Lord, just show us. And uh, we just believe that uh, faith was he who calls you who will do it. So those three things. Next week, Jesus' birthday offering. Bring your best gift to Jesus. And let's present him. Let's present him with an offering so that the kingdom of heaven moves forward. You with me? It takes money to do ministry. I love the verse where it says this. It says, uh, it talks about the kingdom of God is advancing. And then it says, and violent men, and we'll include women, violent men and women, they take it by force. That means God can do anything, but he chooses us to do it. So someone, someone's got to be in it to win it. Are you with me? So next week, we're going to do that. Super excited. Every penny comes in. We'll send that father and his son to Walt Disney World, give them an experience of a lifetime, and uh, it will go towards building. I mean, I just believe God. We're going to have more than enough money to send the father and the son. We're going to build a church building in Haiti. That's uh, $28,000 to do that. Only 28000 to build a building. We're going to do that. And then I believe we're going to have more money um, for us. So we're going to put others first. And then we're going to believe God, whatever's left over, will put towards expansion. So that's how we're going to do it. Grace leads us to be gracious. So I'm excited. Thank you guys for listening to that. Next week, don't miss it. You can give online. There'll be a drop box if you're watching online. And this ministry's blessed you. I want to encourage you to give online to the ministry that God is using to touch your life, to help your family, and to, to change your world. So that's going to be great. You guys go ahead and be seated. I actually finished at the very second that I did first gathering. How about that? Yeah, I got 20 minutes to preach this message, five minutes for invitation. Today's condensed because we're going to have baptism. I just want to start off with a question. How many think I'm preaching a message in 20 minutes? Who said I do? That's my new best friend right there. See, it wasn't about your, your belief. I just want to see who my friends were. That's a, I just want to see who my friends were. Uh, last gathering, many people were there. Yeah, they're cheering. They're, I, you know, people, yeah, I believe it. This, this one lady right here is like, I don't believe you can, Pastor Tip. And uh, so anyways, I got it done. We're going to do it again today. We're in Luke, Luke 15. Grace is what we're talking about. We started this series last week talking about falling into grace. And really, the series is all about grace of God and the fact that you and I crave it. How many want grace? How many need grace? How many know you have messed up so bad you need grace? What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is, is God at work doing what we could never do. It's when God works and does what we could never do. That's grace. Last week we learned this truth, and this is what I hope you walked away with. This was the message in just a little sentence, is that grace cleans up what we've messed up. That's what grace does. Grace cleans up what we've messed up. Now, religion is different. 
Religion and grace do not coexist. In fact, if you read the New Testament, you'll see that the people that had a problem with Jesus and the people Jesus had a problem with were religious people who were grace killers. They wanted you to understand that you had to work your way to God. You had to earn your way. You had to do this enough, be this enough, give this enough. You had to do to get to God. And their faith, it's not enough to have faith. It's the object of the faith that it's in. Because your teenager might have faith that they can ride a skateboard and not fall off and crack your head. Crack their head. But you might not have that faith. Are you with me? So faith, we have faith in many, many, many things, millions of things. But it's not you having faith that God is just looking for. It's in the object of your faith. And that's the grace of God. That's why Jesus came. So grace is totally different than religion. Religion says you need to earn it. you got to work for it. Maybe your decisions, maybe your church membership, uh, denomination, or the type of church you go to, um, the things that you've done for the church, your behavior modification. You can do enough to get to God. Listen to me. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That is what the enemy has said for so long, and religion paves the way to hell. You need to hear me clearly. That's what religion does. It's people who think that what they're doing is earning them favor with God. You and I could never do enough to earn favor with God. You and I could never earn our way to heaven. We could never do enough. We could never be good enough. The Bible says that even our goodness is as filthy rags compared to the holiness of God. And you think where you go to church or you think your membership or you think the fact that you did this religious experience or that, you think that's good? No, no, no. You, we can't do it. It's the grace of God. And the grace of God is a gift. And that gift is Jesus. And so today, I want you to understand that you and I, man, we need grace. We need that unmerited favor. We need God to clean up what we've messed up. Now, here's the takeaway for today. Here's the takeaway. Grace is never earned. It's only offered. Grace is never earned. Only offered. You can travel all over the world and see so many different religions. And, and kind of like when we find out if our kid has a fever or not. How do we know if they have a fever or not? There's a standard. We know what our temperature should be. We know what above is a fever. Religion, watch this. Religion sets the standard of things I must do to get God to be pleased with me. So if you can check the temperature on something, if it's religion or grace, then it's the difference between works, what we do, and the finished ED. Finished, past tense. The finished work of Christ. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. What was he saying? He was saying, everything is done. It's paid in full. I've paid it for you. Are you with me? You're quiet today. Are you with me? It's the grace of God. So now we're going to talk about a parable. This parable is found in Luke. We're going to go there right now. Let's go there. Luke 15. going to read verses 11 through 32. It's a parable. There are three stories that Jesus is telling in this chapter. And these stories are parables. What's a parable? A parable is an earthly story. It's a story. So you and I would get it. It's a story. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus tells all three. And he's telling these stories because there are Pharisees in his presence, and the Pharisees have a problem. And their problem is that sinners are coming to God. Who else should come? By the way, you and I are sinners, right? The church is a hospital. The church is not for perfect people. 
This is not a museum where don't touch anything. Everything's perfect. This is where no perfect people are allowed. This is where anyone and everyone can come. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your sex. It doesn't matter your religion. People can come and we're going to lift up Jesus. And so now they're sinners and tax collectors. To be a tax collector meant you were a liar. You were dishonest. You were a cheater. You were immoral. It was even worse than immorality. It was the lowest of the low. And in 15 verse 1, these Pharisees who think they're better than others, um, they are irritated because of the crowd that Jesus is attracting. How many know that sometimes you and I have maybe felt like we were a little bit better than other people because our lifestyle was different and maybe better and higher and cleaner and sober than theirs? That's what's going on here in this chapter. And now Jesus is going to tell the third and the most, most, um, not just powerful, but probably the most um, popular parable in this parable. It's the parable of the lost son. Yeah, I want to just hit on that point one more time. Let me say it one more time, that the church should attract the wrong kind of people. That's who Jesus moves towards. So let's go, verse 11, illustrate this point further. He's told two stories. Now to illustrate it further, Jesus told him a story. He told him a story. A man had two sons. And the younger son told his father, I want my share. Someone say my share. Of your estate. Say your estate. Now. Someone say now. Before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth. Someone say his wealth. So the son says, I want my share and I want it now. And the father divides his wealth between his sons. We talk about the prodigal son and how he got it, but he had an older brother. Not only did the prodigal get what was going to come to him as an inheritance when his father died, but he got it before his father died. So this son was younger son, little spoiled, little brat, goes to dad, and he says, give me what's going to be given to me when you die. I don't want to wait till you die. In other words, you're dead to me now. Give me my money. But it was really, give me your money, because that's going to be my money, and and that's going to be my money one day, but I want your money to be my money now, now. Give it to me now. And the father doesn't play favorites. He divides his wealth. He gives it between his sons. And a few days later, his younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. Can't you just hear the the older brother? Dad, I knew that was going to happen. He just yah-yahing like a chihuahua. Little ankle biter. He's like, Dad, I told you that it's going to happen. So why'd you do that? Why'd you give him his money, Dad? You messed up. Why'd you do that? He's such a brat. And he's just, he, he's, he's got a problem with his brother. This story is going to have three different characters, right? The younger brother, who is going to sin outwardly. And that represents sinners. Then there's the story of the father character. The father, that represents Father God. And then there's the older brother, and he looks good on the outside. Everything is perfect. Everything looks good. I mean, it looks like he has a good attitude. The problem is he's dead on the inside. He's filled with hypocrisy and religion on the inside. So his younger brother, spoiled rotten brat, older brother, they both struggle with sin. One is outward sins. The other is inward sins. How many know um, you can either be the inward or the outward, you can be the younger, the older brother. Some of you know people, you're like, yeah, they just go do all this. And then some of us look great on the outside. And the truth is, if people only knew what happened behind closed doors, what was said when no one 
Have you ever said something and then you didn't think anyone except for maybe the person you're talking to was hearing you? And then all of a sudden that happened and you're so embarrassed. You ever done that? Seven, I had a fight when we first got married and my phone accidentally called one of our leaders. <laughs> and we were having a good old fight. So later he's like, hey, man, how you doing, Pastor Tim? I'm like, I'm great. <laughs> he's like, yeah. He's like, you called me when you and your wife were fighting. I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> he's like, oh, yes, you did. I'm like, how much you hear? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You ever, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, inward, outward, younger, older brother. He divides his wealth. A few days later, his younger son, he packs it right, and he, he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. Can I tell you today that God knows how and when? God always knows how and when to send the famine in your life. God can get your attention. Sometimes people's pride is so strong they stiffen their neck, they harden their heart, and they know that God is dealing with them. And instead of being humble, instead of moving towards what God is doing in their life, they harden their heart, they stiffen their neck, and they say, I'm going to do my own thing. But let me tell you something, God knows how to win. And we've all run. I'm not judging anyone that's run because I'm a runner. We're all runners. We've all ran hard and far from God and fast. But God knows where we run to, and God knows how to get us to tap out. Like Conor McGregor in that last fight. He didn't want to tap out. You with me? He's just holding on. I'm going to make it through. And then finally it comes to, okay, I'm going to die. Tap. God knows how to make you tap. And Conor, if you're listening, that wasn't a slam against you. I'm glad you're watching today. No, you're getting ready for your next fight. Listen, God knows how to make you tap. Some of y'all tap. Some of you are like, I'm not going to tap. <laughs> Tell me how that's working for you. Because God always knows how and when to send a famine. And he sent it after the guy had wasted all his money. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him. Why? Because the farmer wasn't trying to hire him. There's a shortage of money. He's not trying to add more labors, pay more. He's trying to pay less. But this guy talked him into it, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. We lived on a farm. We had pigs. I fed pigs. Pigs eat slop. Slop is a bucket where anything you're done with, you put it in. It doesn't matter how long it's in there, how old it is. Pigs will eat it. Pigs love slop. He's feeding the pigs. Verse 16, the young man became so hungry that even the slop or the pods that he was feeding the pigs, it looked good to him. So imagine some baked beans left over on your kid's plate from three days ago, and then there's a little bit of a hamburger in there, and then someone dumped some cereal. That's been sitting out for a day, and then someone else threw a corner. That's slop. That's what the pigs eat, and they're happy to eat slop. They love it. He's so hungry. He's starving, kind of like some of us feel in January on the fast. He's looking at the slop, and he's thinking, that looks good. That looks so good. I want some of that. But no one gave him anything, a.k.a. implication, the pigs wouldn't share. Implication, his boss wouldn't give him anything. He gave him a job. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses. See, there are people here today, people are praying for you to finally come to your senses. And people watching online, 
And maybe you've been so far from God and there are people that love you and they're praying for the aha moment that you will stop running and realize that God is love and God loves you and God doesn't care about how dirty and messy you are. God cares about you. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, number one, he Uh, This is repentance. Repentance means you turn. It means you're going this way and you change your thinking. Scripture says that he said to himself, we talk to ourselves more than anyone else, don't we? So be careful what you say to yourself. Be, Be careful how you talk to yourself. He comes to his senses. He says to himself, he says, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and I will say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me on as a, someone say, hired servant. He's going to earn it. He's going to work his way. You see, verse 20 says, so he returned. So repentance leads us to return to God. There are people, you've been away from God. You've been away from God and you're hanging on. You're hanging on. You feel like, man, God doesn't got me. Listen, you can let go and you can fall into the net of grace that God put in place before you ever went off and ran your race, before you ever sinned, before you ever tried to outrun God, before you ever ended up in a distant country, before you ever ended up feeling so dirty. God already had a net in place so you could let go of your sin and fall into grace. That's what he wants for you today. And this son comes to that point where he says, that's it. I'm going to let go of the slop. I've already lost the money. I'm going to let go of my pride that's keeping me here. Instead of just going home and admitting that I messed up. I don't want dad to be right. So instead of, when I know I'm wrong, and I know dad's right, I don't want to admit it. What is that? That's pride. By the way, pride is the one thing that will keep you from God. Pride is the thing that got Lucifer, now Satan, kicked out of heaven. His pride. His pride. And so instead of that, he repents. He has something to do here. You see, God loves and God waits and God forgives, but sinners have to turn back to God. You have something, a choice to make. And the choice for him was, I'm going home. I'm going to go home. And so here we go. He returns to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Why? Because his father never stopped looking for him. His father never stopped believing he would come back. His father never stopped praying for him. His father never stopped longing for his son to come home. So he waited. He believed. He looked. I believe he would get up every day and think today is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it because even though my son is lost, I believe my son is going to come home today. I think that father had faith. And faith takes action. I believe this father didn't just come up with this plan we're going to read about. Right when the son came home, I believe he dreamed up this plan when, when his son was wasting his money. Because faith believes what sin denies. Sin says, no, no, I got control. No, no. Faith says, my God is greater. My God is greater. And some of you, you have children, whether a middle school or a high schooler or a college student or you're empty nesters. You got grandkids and your kids are far from God. Listen to me. Do not stop believing. Do not stop waiting. Do not stop longing for them to come back. Do not stop praying. Do not stop fasting. And don't you dare stop 
looking for them to come home. You believe God, that God can and God will bring them back to him. You need to believe that. This father does. And so here comes the son. He returns home. And while he was still a long way off, father sees him coming, filled with love and compassion. He runs towards his son. Picture God, father God. He embraces him and he kisses him. Imagine how dirty his son was. Imagine how bad he stunk. I mean, imagine the stench. But his father looks past how he looks. And he doesn't let the stench keep him from his embrace. And he kisses him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no, I'm no longer worthy. You weren't worthy in the first place. You didn't do anything to earn the wealth. The wealth was given. It was grace. There was nothing you did to get this money other than your father who loves you, who knew that you didn't do anything to earn this money, would give you this money. That was grace. It was unmerited favor. You didn't get it for good behavior. You didn't get it because he knew that you would stay home and always act a certain way. You got it because the father gives, because the father loves. So he says to his, his father, he says, uh, Sin against you and I'm no longer worthy. Please take me on as a hired servant. Many versions have. But his father said to the servants, get him out of my sight. I can't stand him. He wasted my money. He's not welcome here. Didn't he see the sign? No trespassing. Get him out of my presence. No, <laughs> father doesn't do that. The father says the title of the message today is shut up and dance. I think, right, well, the son is, Father, Father, I think he's, shh, 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 shut up, we're going to dance. And immediately, watch this, watch what the father says. The father said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe, not a robe, but the finest robe. Bring the finest robe, someone say finest, that's the heart of the father. Bring the finest robe, that's grace, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. You see, grace is never earned, only offered. He was saying, I'll work for it, Dad. I'll earn it, Dad. I, I, don't even call me your son. I want to call you, Dad. I'll just be a servant if it will get me out of the slop. But grace is never earned. It's only offered. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. Filet mignon tonight. Bring the crab meat and put on top of it. Father said, we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Thought about playing some black eyed peas right here. Said, let's, let's get it started. Because that's what dad said. Dad said, let's get it started. Come on. And the bass started and the music started. Here we go. We got a party tonight. See, grace is more interested in throwing a party than it is condemning your sin and shame. That's the beauty of grace. And that's why Jesus came. Because grace. Grace. Is never. It's never earned. It's only offered. And the father offers all this. We're going to celebrate. I love this. So the party begins. Verse 25. Meanwhile the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home. He heard music. So what is he doing? He's working day in and day out. 
just working. And he heard the music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, what's going on? Your brother's back, he was told. And your father, oh, this is coming good. And your father, oh, man, your father's killed the fatted calf. We eating good tonight, boy, yeah. All in the Greek. We are celebrating because of his safe return. See, this older brother represents the Pharisees. He has no grasp of grace. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years. Are you kidding me? All these years I've slaved for you. And never once refused to do a single thing. Can't you just pick up on his attitude here? That you told me to do. And in all that time, Dad, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, he didn't call him my brother. You know why? Because he wasn't his brother in his heart. So what's in your heart comes out through your words. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering, don't forget, Dad. See, religion says shame on you. Grace says shame off you. After squandering your money on prostitutes, that's what he did wrong, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. That's what you're doing wrong. See, 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 the opposite of grace is, is judging. It's when we think that we're God and we get to judge. And he says, yeah, he messed up. And dad, now you're messing up again. Here we go. And you're going to celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Dad, who do you think has fed the fatted calf? That was me, dad, this whole time. His heart is full of bitterness and resentment. And instead of rejoicing over his brother's restoration, his heart is filled with resentment. And as I got ready for this message, I thought, you know what? We've all been there. It's back to what I said last week when I crave grace. I crave it. I need it. I desperately want it. But it's so hard sometimes to extend it. There are people in this room today, people watching online today, there are people right now in Blackwater, in Navarre, you know what I'm talking about. People have wronged you and you will not release them. You will not forgive them. You, oh man, and, and, and how you know you're angry and how you know that anger is turned into bitterness is because every time you open your mouth, you curse them. Every time you start someone's, how you doing, you just go right back to them. And it just, what they did hurt you so bad and you thought it was so unfair and it may have been. But I want to tell you something. There is a God in heaven that gave you grace when you didn't deserve it. He gave me grace and I certainly didn't deserve it. And he calls us to give grace to other people when they don't deserve it. So here we are. And his father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We, we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he's come back to life. You just hear the father's excitement. He was lost, but now he's found. You see, grace must make us gracious people. Religion, religion extracts grace away and religion puts what you can do in place and yet Ephesians Paul Paul who killed Christians uh, realizes Jesus the one he's trying to snuff out is actually God and so he has a totally 
repentance moment where he totally does a U-turn and he goes from killing Christians to uh, writing the majority of the New Testament. Paul would later pen words like, God's grace is sufficient. God would later pen words like, for by grace you're saved and not by works of goodness or righteousness or your right doings or religion, in other words. It's for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not for by faith are you saved. It's grace. What is grace? G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. He said, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And it's not of works. Otherwise, people would boast. God's not going to let you into heaven boasting over your good works that got you there. That you had just enough to tip the scales. No, no, no. It's not your faith that gets you in. It's, it's, it's your faith that allows you to accept God's grace. There's a major difference. And the Bible is right down the middle between works and the finished work of Christ. Between what I got to do and what Jesus said is finished. One is religion. One is grace. One is earned and yet never obtained. And one is never deserved. Cannot be earned. It's only offered. And that son, that night, got to party. Not because he deserved it. But because of the goodness of the Father. And I believe there are people here, you're a Christian, but you've run hard and far from God. You've messed up. You've broken so many things. To be honest, you, you like I, you did things when you're running from God on purpose. Because you were so hurt, you were so wounded, and you just almost like in the face of God. Like, take that in your pain. And yet God lovingly has cared for you and looked for you and waited for you all these years, all these days. And you're here today, and what God's saying is come home. Come home. Come to the end of yourself. You don't have to stay in that slop anymore. You don't have to stay in the stench anymore. Like, I've got so much for you waiting and it has nothing to do with your behavior my God it has everything to do with your sonship and your daughtership like you gave your life to me years ago and I've not given up on you because grace waits and grace loves and grace forgives and that's some of you today you need to hear that the our gospel our good news is that grace is what saves us. And it's grace that keeps us. Some of y'all need to come home. Some of you, man, you, you, you're far from the Father. You, you've never given your life. You've done everything you could do. You've done every checkoff. And you think, you think you've done it all like the older brother. I've done this. I've worked for you. I've never missed a minute. I've never cheated you a minute. I've got up every morning early. I've worked every day in the field. I've fattened the kids. I've done it all. And, and, and now you're going to, and that's where you're at right there. You're the older brother where it's easy to look at other people and they got all, man, they, they drunk last night. They're doing this and their face was in the paper. They got a DUI and this and that and this and that. And you can judge other people because of their outward sins when the truth is maybe maybe your sins are on the inside and it looks pretty on the outside and you got it zipped up and you're wearing it all together. But what others can't see, God sees. God sees. God hears. God sees and God knows. And, and you're right there. And you're just, you're worn out and you're tired. And you're like, I just want to, I'm just done with this stuff. And God says, you're exactly who I'm looking for. Because the Father always moves towards the mess. Father always runs towards the prodigal. You're the person he's been waiting for. But what, 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 what would other people think? That's, that's something you need to let go of and fall into grace. 
But, but, but what, if, what if God can't? No, 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 just let go of that. It's not worked for you. And today, I believe there are people here today, you need to cross the line of faith and you need to say, Jesus, I'm done trying to make you pleased with me. I'm done trying to earn heaven. I'm done trying to make myself in right standing by my behavior. There's nothing I could ever do, God, to deserve what you want to so lav- lavishly give me. So I just, I just going to receive it. Let me tell you what, it feels good when you know how dirty you were, how lost you were, how far you were from God, and how much God has cleaned you up. It feels good to fall into grace. There are people today, that's your decision. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I, I, I want to ask, how, how many of you today, you're a Christian and, and you say, you say, Pastor Tim, I know I'm a child of God, but I'm telling you, I'm struggling with this grace of God. Not for me, I crave it, but giving it to other people. He hurt me, she hurt me, they don't deserve it. I just cannot forgive them. Some of y'all have said, I will not forgive them. So you haven't. And today you need to say the opposite. I will forgive them. I will release them. Because forgiveness isn't about them getting off the hook. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness is about your heart. You say, man, I I struggle with giving grace to other people. And and I crave it. And I want it. And I deserve it. Other people, not so much. And and I'm right there. I just be honest. I'm sometimes a little pharisaical. Sometimes a little little like the Pharisees. Like the the older brother. And and, uh, I, I just... Man, I want to be a grace giver. I want God's grace in my own life to make me gracious. And I want to extend grace to other people who need it just as bad as I do. If that's you, hands up, would you? Hands up all over. Just hands up all over. All over. All over. Online, you're watching. In Navarre, Blackwater. All over. Just be honest. God already knows. Just be honest. He'll meet you right where you're at. He'll meet you right where you're at. Yes, Jesus. Thank you. Put your hands down. And now, for those of you that are here that say, Tim, like, I've done the religion thing, man. I went to that church and that church, and I did this, and I did that, and I was this, and I was that. And, and yet you think that's going to make, that's going to get you into heaven. Nope. Just grace. Maybe you've wrestled with it because in your mind, you cannot imagine that the Father would love you enough to give you what you don't deserve. Because all your life you've been told you got to deserve it. All your life you've been taught you got to earn it. You got to earn it. And, and you're just a professional at checking off boxes. You're a professional at religion. And so it's hard to comprehend. So that's why Jesus tells a story to get our attention to say we're all sinners. Younger brother, older brother. None of us deserve the Father's wealth. Yet it makes his heart happy to share it so what did he do Jesus Father God shares his son with us and Jesus dies on the cross for our sin and he sheds his blood so you and I could be forgiven and if you've never trusted in the fact that Jesus died he was buried and he rose again and by doing that the Lamb of God was sacrificed once and for all for the sin of this world that means including me and you that if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead scripture says you will be forgiven you will be saved you will be made new you're ready to do that today then let's pray 
I'm going to lead us in a sinner's prayer. We're going to pray it out loud together. I can embarrass you. And I want you to understand, you're not praying through me. I'm a man. I'm a human. I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. I am forgiven. So you're not praying through me to get to God. No, there's only one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. You're going to pray right to Jesus. He's going to hear you, and he's going to forgive you immediately of all of your sins, particularly the sin of unbelief. That Jesus is the way, not religion. That Jesus is the truth, not religion. That Jesus is the life, not religion. Today. If you're ready to do that, then with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to say this prayer. You repeat after me. And those of us who have already known the goodness of the Father, we're going to pray it out loud for those who are coming to Father God today. Would you say, Jesus, I confess my life's been a mess. I'm a sinner that desperately needs a Savior. I thank you for loving me. I accept your love and all that comes with it. Thank you for dying for me. And I believe you rose again. I declare Jesus as Lord. And because of that, I now give you my life. And I accept your life. Now teach me how to live. In Jesus' name. If you did that, then right now I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to hold it up high. We're not going to embarrass you. We're going to celebrate you. Last week, 35 people crossed the line of faith. We already got hands in the air. We haven't got to one. They're like three, four, five hands. Who else? Today's your day. Don't harden your heart. Don't stiffen your neck. You don't know how long you have to live. This is God's opportunity for you today. On the count of three, let us know, would you? We want to celebrate with you. One, two, three. Right now, that's right. Hold it up. Hold it up high. Follow that pride. Hold it up high. Come on. God bless you. God bless you.